0: The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor.
1: What is up everyone and welcome to the Buddies Podcast where we discuss how to take control of your health, and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Garrett Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe, who is a board certified chiropractic internist. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Buddies Podcast. Uh, Dr. Grady and I are talking about more activities and different situations in those activities and how can a type 1 diabetic move through this world and have good blood sugar and what are some pitfalls and maybe some things that he and I have messed up on and that are common to mess up on and all this and that. So it should be a pretty uh, well unstructured and fun episode with some of the things we're going to talk about. So uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy we're
0: back at it and um i think we're gonna have a good episode and i'm i'm excited just to talk with you garrett
1: yeah and then before we dive into it too we have we're starting to line up a few more speakers as well uh and so a big part of you know the mission of this podcast right is to help others live the life that they deserve you know diabetes any chronic uh, disease type one type two no one should have to feel chained down by their situation and here, obviously, we are focusing on diabetes. So, uh, you know, if you're a listener and, and you feel like you want to share some kind of story, you know, uh, we'd love to to talk with you and just, you know, uh, meet you and, and go from there. Because I think the more we connect and the more we have people on here, uh, the better um, our voices can be heard to mm-hmm. lots of people. So that being said, uh, the first activity, we're going to be talking about managing blood sugar and that activity is camping. So... Uh Grady, when was the last time you've been camping? Oh man,
0: it's been longer than I want it to be, but probably what was that oh man, it's been almost two years. Oh wow. Wow, that's time flies. Where were,
1: where were you camping at?
0: Uh we went camping in Colorado at the national park and oh, yeah. right right outside of Estes. And um we went camping a few different ways. There, we we did a uh, backpacking where we just hiked like six miles in, and then camped for the night, and then um, walked back out. And then we went to a campsite one night, and then a cabin for the other one. But so how many days total was that? Um, I mean, it was like
1: probably close to a week. A week, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that trip and from just hearing that, about that trip very briefly, here are a couple of things that you, you know, you've probably considered was how long the trip is, it's a diabetic, you know, bring supplies, whether it be diabetic supplies, insulin, food, what have you, uh, where you are, you said, Colorado, higher altitude, that's going to change things, right? Mm-hmm. And then what activities are you even doing on that camping trip? Uh, you know, you said you went on a six mile hike. That's its own, that's its own, how do you manage those situations too? And um, so, and then sleep, of course, and all these other things with camping and uh, we'll kind of dive into right now, but those things are something or many events of camping that a diabetic needs to consider uh, even before they get there. And then situations of high, low blood sugar, yo-yo, all these things doing these activities. So uh, how did you prepare uh, Dr. Grady for this trip?
0: Um, I mean, the biggest thing is one, making sure that you pack your supplies. Mm. Um, I think I've said this before on a previous podcast, (laughs) but every time I'm packing for a trip or whether it's camping or not, um, I always hear my mom's voice in my head. Did you pack your supplies? Did you pack your insulin? Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that's that's always step one for me. That's the first thing in my bag is all of my diabetic supplies and making sure that I have enough. So the hardest, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is just figuring out how much you need. Um, So you always just go over what you think you need. So that way you make sure you have enough. Um, Mm -hmm. So especially, you know, with insulin um, and with your supplies, whether you're doing shots or um, pump supplies, uh, you want to make sure you have enough um, to make you throughout that whole trip. And maybe a little bit extra, because depending on, you know, how serious your camping is or how deep you go Mm -hmm. into the woods, you never know, you know, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make sure that you have enough of a cushion um, to get you through. And so I always err, obviously. I mean, I think this is most people, but err on the side of too much. So that way I just, you know, I don't have to stress about it. Um, So, you know, making sure I have all my insulin, enough insulin, and calculating you know obviously looking at my pump i can see how much insulin i take per day whether you know total basal and bolus Um, but you know if you're doing um, mdi's then you probably have a good idea on how much you you take per day Um, if not you probably want to track that a couple of weeks before leading up to that trip just so you know all right this is how much i typically take during a day um, and so this is probably how much I should pack. So if you don't know or don't have an idea of how much you take in a day, um, then start tracking it. So that way you have a better idea of that.
1: Um, That's a great point. Yeah. I, uh, it's so easy to be passive when you, if you're on a pump and you have no idea how much insulin you're actually taking a day. Yeah. Like you just know if you're filling up like a cannula, like you're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe you fill it up with one mil, two mils, three mils, you know, whatever whatever amount of insulin you're putting in the pump for that duration, but you really aren't, unless you're really, really active in your care. And even still, it can be so easy to be like, oh, well, only time I really look at these stats is a situation like this, or if I am communicating with my endocrinologist and they ask, you know, how much are you taking a day? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me check. And that's all in there. But yeah, if you're MDI, you definitely need to track it a little bit more. Um, But then, it's you know either way with your mdi or pump bringing that supplies is always a hassle it's like are you bringing a bunch of needles and then like or you know needle uh fine needle points or are you bringing just a bunch of perfectly packaged airtight like things that take up a whole lot of space right mm-hmm. um and it's funny that that's the first thing you pack because it's so my diabetes is always the last thing i pack yeah whether whether it be camping or or just any kind of trip it's like all right what am i doing and then i pack it afterwards and then it's always like i know i'm gonna need to make room then i can take things out if if need be
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yep yeah and um, you
0: also need to think about how you're going to be carrying that stuff around so like if you're going to be doing a walk-in hike or you're going to be at a location where you may have to be somewhat mobile with it or you want to have something to keep it around with you, then you may you may have like a lot of the stuff in your main bag, but you may want to bring then like a smaller bag. So that way if you go fishing or you go hiking while you're camping, then you have a, a smaller bag that you carry around with you to to have those things. And I think most diabetics have those bags that they typically use, but that's something if you're not necessarily used to um, carrying your supplies or your stuff around with you, then you definitely want to make sure you have a small bag or a, even like a fanny pack that you can mm-hmm. use to, to have some stuff with you uh, when you go on longer excursions away from the campsite.
1: Yeah. would well, do you have a rule for the extra supplies that you bring?
0: Um, as far, it always depends on what I'm, we're planning on doing. Like, um, If we're going to be doing a lot of active stuff, then I'm going to bring a lot more of everything, really. Like, even, like, obviously, my juice boxes and whatnot to bring my blood sugar up. But also, at the same time, more activity leads to more chaos, if you will, and at the same time um, can lead to, like, you know, pump sites ripping out or if you're going swimming a lot, then maybe the adhesive kind of wears off and that falls mm-hmm. off or something like that. So I want to bring extra supplies there to make sure I'm covered um, for that um, scenario too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My uh yeah, just more of everything, but I always go with a plus two rule. Everything's plus two. And if I am, have already burned through my extra two, like, you know, let's say you're gone for a week and I plan on bringing, I don't know. Let's keep it simple. Like five things, mm-hmm. uh, five infusion sets, one for every day, which is not, you know, any bad example. I'm bringing five. Then I would bring seven.
0: Yeah.
1: And if I burn through uh, them way faster, you know, it's on like day four out of five, and I'm already on like six. Number six, and then well, my mindset is I got to make this work. Like, yep. There is no. There is no ifs ands or and buts like this is all i have like so whether that means changing my insulin around that time or then adapting what i do but yeah the adhesive i think is always a when you're camping the biggest points of whether you have stickers to, that go on top of your site that go on top of cgms that go on top of anything bringing lots of those or bringing um you know whether it be adhesive extra adhesive like wipes beforehand or whatever but I think uh, once you're going in the water and you're running around and sweating and doing all these things, and you know, obviously those are going to make any adhesive less sticky. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know how many, I think it's without fail, I've always had at least two sites rip out when I'm in the water camping doing something.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, especially with kids, like I just remember going, we would go on this camping trip pretty much every year. It was like a family reunion. And so, um, like me and my cousins, I mean, we would just be roughhousing, you know, wrestling each other, playing football, you know, all Mm -hmm. that stuff, airsoft fights, all that stuff. And you're doing a lot of, a lot of activity, a lot of roughhousing and a Mm -hmm. lot of, you know, potential friction between your site and something else. And so, Um, there's a lot more instances, especially as a kid where you're doing a lot of that activity that, uh, it's going to get ripped out. So as you know, if I'm a parent looking out for my kid and packing enough stuff, you know, I may like, just think about how much they would typically use and then maybe like double it or triple it depending on, you know, what you think they're going to be doing. Um, just because of, you know, that stuff happening.
1: Yeah. And this is why, I mean, that's obviously the best type of advice and suggestion, but this is why I personally will do something like the plus two rule or whatever is if I feel like I I have to bring twice as many things, then I feel like person, my diabetes is controlling me. Yeah. You know, it's like, I literally have to, I remember being a kid and being diabetic and saying like, Oh, I have to drink this juice box or I have to sit out like all these other things. And that's what made me feel isolated. You know, it's one thing to bring bring your diabetes things because you need it, Mm. but I always would bring us, or now I bring a select amount to say I'm going camping. I'm bring this is what I'm bringing, you know, and that's just how it is. And for me, it decreases the stress of what could happen, you know, because if you're a parent, you're going to be thinking about all the ways, like you just mentioned, a kid could be losing sites or losing mm-hmm. you know the ability to use your technology and but if you find yourself bringing like six triple a batteries like that in reality you're not going to use six AAA batteries better be safe. sorry but at the same yeah. time it's like are you living and moving in fear or are you living and moving with your diabetes and moving with the activity so this is my personal take on, on it yeah. but obviously the best advice is always to be most prepared you don't ever <laughs> want to be like how jay was uh, it was in singapore i forgot what where he hong was kong. well he's from hong kong but he yeah. was on some trip or whatever right oh and, yeah and uh he ended up just fasting for a very, very very long time because he ran out of insulin yeah and he couldn't get it you've had a similar experience his on that episode that he shares is way intense
0: extreme yeah
1: yeah yeah and so as a parent Uh, you don't want to have to go through those situations as well as then as an individual with diabetes, you don't want to go through those situations either, unless you just shouldn't ever want to go through those situations. So um, yeah, it's funny. I
0: mean, I understand. That doesn't surprise me. that That is your mindset because I know you, but um, Mm -hmm. it's funny that you look at it like that because, you know, I see it as the opposite. Like if I bring, Mm -hmm. you know, too many supplies or just like a ton of supplies, I feel way more comfortable being myself. Mm -hmm. So like it frees me up more so than it like inhibits me because it's like, all right, I can do whatever I want and I really have to screw things up like big time consistently over this trip to then run out of supplies. So like it frees me up to be like, all right, it doesn't really matter what I do. I'm going to have all these things to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, versus versus thinking that it's holding me back because I'm thinking about it too much because it's out of my mind now because I'm like all right I got all this stuff whereas if like you said you start running low on things you're like oh crap i didn't i didn't calculate well enough for this trip and then now all you're at least for me all I'm thinking about is like all right how do I make this work and then even after i got a plan down I'm like all right this is how I need to make it work to get by, I'm still constantly thinking, all right, am I doing good? Am I still good? Am I still good? You know, constantly rechecking in with myself. Um, so I'd rather just have too much and that way I don't have to worry about it at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah great uh, different views and perspectives because I do that too you know I'm not saying like I only go by the rule of two the siths (laughs) yeah uh, Star Wars um (laughs) not saying that's what I do every single time but I I have done that especially if it's you know for camping especially especially what kind of camping how many times I just say especially there like five times um (laughs) you know, that you need to be very cautious because like you said, how far are you going in the woods? Where are you traveling? Are you, you know, you being in Missouri and then going to Colorado, like that's, you're not near home. You know, yeah. how long would drive is it for those things to get access to that? So those are things to consider while preparing for it, knowing how much insulin you have, what are you actually bringing, um, being prepared for those situations. So that's really, really, really important. But then once you're actually there, you know, and being prepared for the activities, uh, you know, I think that that's a big part of it too. So, you know, what about, and here we aren't as technical as we were last episode about blood sugar situations. We'll get there for a few things. Right. But Mm -hmm. uh, when camp people camp, there's very classic things, eat and drink, right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're camping, you know, chances are you're eating hamburgers and hot dogs and maybe walking tacos, maybe chicken of some kind. If you have a good group, s'mores. If you have a good group, maybe you'll put like vegetables and tinfoil in the fire. Oh, you know, yeah. Got, got a good group going <laughs> on. Um, but then people bring snacks of all kinds, you know, and chocolate and sweets. And then if you're an adult, you might be drinking alcohol um, and not have a lot of water. Um, but if you're a kid, you you're drinking Kool-Aid. You know, I'm just thinking about like a classic American In the woods, family Uh, camping—I don't know—but so when you are thinking about then food, I I bring this up to transition to camping, diabetes, food while camping. Yeah. What are you thinking? Are you bringing lots of glucose tabs? Are you bringing lots of juice boxes? Are you really investigating who you're going with and what food you're planning on bringing? Are you really involved in that? How do you go about planning the food aspect and snack aspect of camping as a diabetic?
0: Yeah. So. As you know, I'm super on on point with my food. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I can't help but try and make sure that I have good food throughout the whole thing. So to dissect that, um, I'm going to be bringing lots of juice boxes, you know, depending on what we're planning on for activities. You know, if we're mm-hmm. just literally hanging out at a campsite and not really doing anything. Yeah, obviously, I'm still going to bring some juice boxes because you're still probably going to have lows um, throughout that weekend. But, you know, depending on how um, active we're planning on being, I'm going to bring you know, juice boxes accordingly. And for the most part, I'm going to way overestimate those juice boxes. Um, so I'll bring, you know, like, you know, cases of juice boxes just to make <laughs> sure that um, I have enough. And so I don't run
1: out. Like you've literally brought a 24 case of juice boxes yeah wow good for you for being an advocate <laughs> for yourself yep. oh man being a grown man bringing juice 24 juice boxes just for yourself no <laughs> one else this no kids my that's my juice <laughs> <laughs> uh sharing's caring though but anyways yeah. go on but Sorry, um juice.
0: yeah so i make sure because i mean that's my method of bringing my blood sugar up so i make sure to have plenty of that um and then as far as you know, if we are going to do some activities, you know, if it's going to be somewhat active and, or even if it's not, we're just going to be away from the campsite. And so you need some sort of snack. um, Then I'm going to make sure and bring plenty of, of snacks. And when I say snacks for me, snacks are like um, animal products. So like, you know, jerky or sausages or something like that. um, To help keep my blood sugar stable. Mm-hmm. and um, through that activity. Um, and also I mean just making sure you're getting enough food throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll make sure to bring good, healthy snacks. Um and then as far as just like mealtime foods, I definitely am gonna be ask you know, asking around with the group that I'm gonna be with, all right, what are you guys planning on on cooking for meals? And if it's a group that's like, you know super unhealthy and they're planning on having all this unhealthy food, then I'm like, all right, that's fine. You guys can eat what you want. I'm just going to bring my own food and make sure that I have that um, with me. Um, but if it's going to, if it's like a healthier group that they're all kind of you know, relatively like-minded, then um, then I'll just, you know, you know, you'll just coordinate that like who's bringing what and trying, try and nail down like what we're going to have each day. I like that's just something I grew up doing as far as like, if we're planning a get together with another like family group, like my uncle and his family or something like that, then we plan out the meals. Um, mm. So like breakfast and we at least do breakfast and dinner, lunch. And then, you know, sometimes we'll have three meals a day. Sometimes it'll just be kind of snacking depending on how busy we are. Um, mm. But we at least have those two meals and we plan them out. So, like, all right, on this di- on this morning, we're having eggs and bacon, and then at night, we're going to be having this supper. Um, so, for the most part, that's kind of how I grew up. And so, if I have a group like that, then I'll just say, all right, um, we're gonna you know have this for um, breakfast, and then this for dinner or whatever, and try and and try at least plan it out so that way you have an idea, so you're not like you get to like really late at night you're like all right i'm starving what are we going to eat you at least have a plan so that way um, everything's somewhat ready to go and and you're not like starving yourself either
1: mm-hmm. yeah no that is the most controlled way uh of doing it and, and i think you already hit in the beginning part of the conversation is making sure you have enough low blood sugar because i think more times than not you are going to encounter when you're hiking, when you're doing camping activities. You're gonna have low blood sugars, mm. uh, probably more than hyperglycemia. Uh, there's situations where that will happen, um, but more times than not, you will probably have more lows when you're doing these things than highs. Yep. And uh, so if that means, let's say, you know, great, you're pretty animal based. Sometimes you're not very animal based. Sometimes you're lots of veggies. You know, I've seen you go through different fluctuations. But mm-hmm. it's like if you only eat a lot of vegetables like don't be afraid to bring your vegetables yeah you know, and find ways to bring that um you know maybe you can coordinate that like you were saying with the group but i've been on camping trips where i have uh you know this one really wouldn't happen as a kid um maybe oh what if you did like a camping camp like you did like a camp away or a stay away camp or something like that yeah i guess you could fall in the situation too but where i don't know everyone going. To the camping I know like a few people and there's a bunch of other people like that are just mutual friends and everyone's coming and then you just kind of meet people there and so in that case you know it might be a good idea to really focus on what are your lows that you're bringing and then for me I think what is sustainable what's easy what is the e- you know what's something easy for me and what's something uh, both carb and not carb for me to eat there um, as to keep going throughout the day And so I'll bring lots of like, I brought like at least, you know, 50 plus glucose tabs. So maybe you can even just bring like two giant, you know, I'm a big glucose tab person. I think that's really easy to use to individually control what you're doing. Very rarely do I eat more than I need to of glucose tabs because it's like a constant reminder that you're literally only eating this because it's a low blood sugar. Mm. Um, But anyway, so bring lots of my low blood sugar, but then I'll buy like a, where I have bought a like 48 box of granola bars. And those are mine. No one else can (laughs) have Sometimes, you know, most of the time I will end up sharing those. Uh, But you know me, Grady, that granola bars and just bars are just like a weakness I have. I can't not eat bars. It's just how my brain thinks. It's a good 24 on average gram complex carbs to have. And it can help me sustain. And then maybe I'll have some kind of meat, whether it be jerky or deli meat or, you know, a bunch of ham or you know whatever have you, and that way I have a non-carbohydrate food source that can just keep me going, give me energy, um, and I have those both with me depending on what I'm doing. Um, you know, so that might be a. But you might not always be able to coordinate with everyone going and say, "All right, you bring all these vegetables, you bring some of these fruits, I'm going to bring a lot of these too." But like, let's figure out all together what we're eating. Uh, and if you're in a situation where you can really only be responsible for yourself and you know a few others make sure you just bring the necessities of low blood sugars. What's a good non-carb sustainable source. And what's a a carb source sustainable thing for for throughout days of you doing activities.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, you brought up one thing early on in your comment about, um, you don't necessarily have a lot of highs when you're on a camping trip. Um, And for me, that's pretty true because like I said, I'm really like, you know, anal about what I'm eating. And so um it's still, it, you know, whether I'm on a camping trip or not, it's relatively the same types of meals and whatnot. But um like, you know, with thinking about when I used to go on camping trips back when I was a kid, you have a lot of, you, your diet is very different than what it usually is at home. And so those meals typically are a lot more junk food because it's easy, easy to carry around, doesn't spoil all that stuff. And so um, a lot of times then you start fighting highs um, a little bit more. So you have to take that into account. If if you are, aren't necessarily, you know, have a really strict diet or you follow a really strict diet, um, or even if you do and you know, you know, I'm going to kind of go off the deep end when we go on this trip, um, then you kind of have to take that into account when you're, when you're planning on bringing your insulin. It's like, all right, am I going to be eating a bunch of crap? If so, all right, we should probably bring a little bit more so than what we would have normally um, because you're probably going to be fighting a little
1: bit more highs
0: with more of that
1: junk food. Mm-hmm. Am I only going to be actually having hot dogs and hamburgers with no buns because that's what I think I should do? Or am I really going to have a s'mores with it? its a York peppermint <laughs> patty on one side and then it's a Reese's cup on top of it? Like, what am I really going to do? You got to, does it sound good? I know you don't eat that, but I no. think that sounds, no, it doesn't sound good. To you. Oh, I think that sounds good. A Melted peanut butter chocolate Reese's on top of a, a good mellow that's golden brown and some graham crackers. Uh, sounds great to me. So I'll enjoy life, Grady. You All can, right. you can. um so yeah being real with yourself though like what are you eating are you going to eat junk you know and if you're being real with yourself knowing that you might whether you are going to try to resist it and then you know you might cave or you say i'm not sticking to my diet whatsoever i'm just going to eat whatever's there bring a little more insulin is probably a really good thing and uh, and talking before we get into blood sugar a little bit more you know hydration right so this is something that uh a type two diabetic, you know, this episode and last episode is very type one focused, but uh, type two, and if you're just not hydrating, you know, there's a chance, there's a greater chance of having hyperglycemia when you're dehydrated because your cells aren't functioning the way they are. Signals and hormones aren't being created the way that they should be. And if so, then you might uh, have more, that might be part of the equation that leads to hyperglycemia on trips like these. So making sure hydration status is really really important especially if you're doing lots of activities you can't just have a gatorade which has its own issues by itself anyways have a gatorade uh be gone for a few hours then have a beer if you're an adult and then go and not have any water next thing you know it's 6 p.m you haven't had any water like Mm -hmm. that's that's going to be fuel the fire of hyperglycemia and temporary insulin resistance and decrease of insulin sensitivity while you're on these trips so water is really 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 important as a Mm. diabetic on these events yep nothing to add on that no i agree 100 (laughs) wow that's a first (laughs) okay so uh you know hyperglycemia but then once you combine that type of stuff with the food and then mismanaging the insulin right maybe you are on a pump And I know you wouldn't do this. I think it's a great strategy if I'm hiking, if I'm being very active, I'm not in the water. I'm going to try to decrease my basal rate, you know, by, I'm going to decrease it by 70% to be 30% of what it normally is. You know, that's always, I found a really, really good number if you do an activity to start at, you know, maybe you go 50%, 60%, but decreasing your basal rate. So that way you're not using as much insulin when you're up and active. But then the disadvantage of that then is when you come back at night and you're, are having a bigger meal There's actually just less insulin in your body. And therefore it's going to change. Then when you do give yourself insulin, let's say you do have a, a higher carb bun meal, something like that at camping, it's going to change how then your body metabolizes that too. And that could be part of a hyperglycemia reaction while camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Yeah. Like if you're going to be more
0: active, planning on being more active, um I, I will do the same thing, especially with hiking um, is like a long sustained activity. If you're going to be doing something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, I like that's that's one scenario where I do change my basal rate because I know I'm just going to keep crashing and keep crashing and keep crashing. If I don't change it, I'm just going to keep I'm just going to blow through all the the juice um, that I have. So um, on those types of scenarios, I do decrease my basal rate. And so like, um, obviously that's for pump users. For, so for um, MDI um, users, um, that's something that if you know you're going to be doing something really active the next day, then you might adjust your you know, long acting insulin. So your Lantus or something like that to reflect the fact that you're going to be a lot more active that day. And therefore you're not going to need as much insulin um, or long acting insulin over that time, unless you just want to keep drinking a bunch of juice as you're walking on your hike or whatnot.
1: Right. But then the, I would say the disadvantage of then lowering your long act thing is it's, it's you get one shot, like literally you put mm-hmm. it's you, whether you do it in the morning or night or whatever, you know, for, for long acting insulin that's in you. You can't, Uh, And you shouldn't with long acting insulin double up, you know, you should wait till enough half-life has gone through until that next day to do another one. And if you do too little, then now you might be actually fighting hyperglycemia because it's only a small, maybe a a fraction of the day that you're being active Mm -hmm. and that might work for that. You might be on point, but then you might be fighting high blood sugar the whole entire time where if you're a pump, you know, you literally set it for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours whatever else, and then it can go back to normal instantly, where, you know, you might then be going an uphill battle, or, uh, you know, maybe you did it fine, and you don't have to worry about it at all, but it's a little more cautious, I would advise more caution, playing with long-acting insulin on a hiking trip, and a camping trip, if, just because you know your activity is eventually going to stop, you know, at night, then what do you do at night? You know, you're you're asleep, you know, and, and you can't give yourself more Injections, you know, for its correction factors. If you're doing that, so there's a little more. Uh, I would say, if I was on MDI, I would do just your strategy personally. I might reduce it by a few units, not a whole lot. I wouldn't like cut it fifty no, percent. No, no, you no, know, anything like that. But I would just, I would definitely bring way more juice and way more glucose tabs and way more low blood sugar stuff in that situation than I would do now because I would personally be more cautious of changing that long acting
0: yeah yeah i think the biggest point with that is are you going to be active for most most of the day Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna be like if you're just going on like one short hike that day that next day you're not gonna need to change your long acting you're just gonna want to compensate with food for that activity whereas if you're going on like if you're hiking like i said if you're hiking in to a campsite where you're going to be basically hiking most of the day, if not, you know, all day, then in my opinion, you're a lot more safe than decreasing your basal rate because even, even at those times when you stop, your body has been going, going, going all day long to where your insulin sensitivity, your insulin needs are so much different than that day before when you didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, um, because if you're doing something for a really long time, that's going to create a lot longer change. And therefore, the basal rate doesn't need to then go back up necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. And so, that long acting insulin can, we, you'll still be fine with that.
1: Yeah, a perfect scenario could be let's say you're doing more of a advanced like camping trip. Like you drive somewhere, you're parking your car one space, and the first day is literally carrying all your stuff and you are hiking you know, six, seven miles, however long it is, you're hiking all day, carrying all your stuff to where you're camping. You're like, and then you lower your, you predict that. And then you lower your basal rate. But then the next day, maybe you're not hiking at all. You guys have decided, okay, we're just going to relax that second day. Maybe, you know, do this and that. And then that third day, we're more activity trying to plan ahead what you're saying those days, you know, and then how they stack is going to be a very, very particular um insulin changing you know change and fine tuning and then if you don't feel comfortable predicting that stuff that work could be where you call your endocrinologist or you talk to you know a diabetes coach or something like that and you bring up these strategies and think and try to make a plan like that Because so there could be a lot of uh fear in trying to do that and not do it right mm-hmm. you know and there could be just danger in, in doing that too so always definitely talk to Talk to you know your professionals that are licensed to give you specific insulin um, advice because that will be really really important when you're planning ahead on those de- different days of activities because that will stack and will change things going throughout the whole day like you're staying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, thinking about camping and moving and hiking with insulin and maybe changing sites or maybe doing more shots. Uh, what do you do just with the insulin? You know, what do you like bringing the insulin with you, bringing the vials with you? What do you do? Great. Right? Do you say, uh, are you thinking about the temperature and then are there times where you don't use coolers? Are they always in coolers? What if no one else is bringing coolers? You know, what it's kind of your thought process with literally keeping the, the insulin usable. Cause I know this summer you've been, you were experiencing some bad insulin in your mind mm-hmm. of, uh, Uh, insulin that maybe denatured a bit and now how frustrating that is you know so what are your thoughts on all that
0: yeah so yeah i meant to bring that up earlier but i forgot about it so thanks for bringing that up but you're welcome yeah so (laughs) i think it's always best to keep it cool so whether it's in a cooler and it doesn't necessarily have to be a super like doesn't have to be like a cooler with ice water in it it's just in a cooler Um, that'll help maintain at least a little bit better temperature, especially if you're camping in the middle of summer where it's really, really hot. Um, you definitely like in that scenario, you definitely want to have some sort of temperature control with it, whether you're putting it in something that's cold or at least something that is insulated. So that way it doesn't get too hot. Um, because then you do risk denaturing it pretty quickly. Um, now having said that, do I do that? historically no really (laughs) yeah historically um you know when i'm on vacation for the most part i'm like all right Hmm. i like i don't i don't necessarily think i don't think about it to that degree i'm just like all right let's just you know it's in my bag i have it here i don't worry about it too much um and i haven't ran into any ran into any problems with that um Because, I mean, for the most part, I keep it in my, you know, duffel bag or whatnot, and my duffel bag is going to be, whether it's in a tent or in, you know, a camper or something, where it's somewhat temperature controlled. So, for the most part, I, you know, I follow that to a degree to where it's like, it is relatively temperature controlled, but it's not like in a cooler by any means. Um, And but if you are going to be in a scenario where it is going to be really hot and you only have like, say your tent and your tent's still going to be really hot. Um, then you might think about getting a little bit more insulation. So like bringing, whether it's just like a little cooler bag, um, or something like that, really simple, um, to help keep that a little bit, a little bit more temperature controlled. Um, I will tell you one story. It does it wasn't with camping, but, um, like when I played football, mm-hmm. um, in high school, I would keep my, back when you, know, you were a heavyweight. Exactly. Back, <laughs> I would keep my diabetic bag, um, with me at all times. So like, and so like when I be on the field or like on the practice field, I would just keep it on the side of the field and then, you know, go there when I needed to. And so like my insulin, you know, my juice boxes, all that stuff, was all in that in, it was the same bag I used to carry around school and whatnot so all my stuff was in there my insulin included and um, I mean on the turf that stuff would get so so hot like I remember I used to use like you you remember you like the chocolate yeah, milk yeah. you had the boxes like juice boxes oh, so yeah. I would use those sometimes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, I remember when I, one time I got low and I had a Yoohoo in my bag, oh. it was, it was lying on the turf. It was so hot that when I drank it, it was like drinking hot chocolate because it was just oh, so wow. hot. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, great. yeah, yeah. Point of the story is I used to keep my insulin on the turf and I mean, I wasn't as well aware of myself as I am now, sure. but I um, didn't notice you know, a big difference. I'm sure if I was a little bit more in tune with it, with uh, like how I am now, it it may, I may have noticed more of it. Um, Cause Mm -hmm. back then it was like, it wasn't that I wasn't on top of things. It was just more so like, I didn't necessarily understand a whole lot about the body. So like, you know, these weird changes, that always happen with us, no matter how, you know, precise we are with our, with our bodies, you know, Back then, I could never necessarily explain it, whereas now I can think through things like, oh, you know, this stressful thing happened this time, that was probably what spiked my blood sugar, Um, whereas back then, it was like, what the heck, my blood sugar spiking, whatever, I'll just correct for it, you know, so back then, there could have been like some spiking that was because the insulin denatured, and I just attributed it to just randomness, but uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part, I didn't notice a big difference with it. And, uh, so there, there's one an- anecdotal thing to throw out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important. Yeah. Cause as a parent, that's important to know about your diabetic son or daughter, right. Uh, or just friends or whatever. And that, you know, you can be in situations, not just camping, but just when it's, they're outside and it's freaking hot, like I'm yep. not going to think about it. Like I bring when I'm traveling, even now when I go to work, like I bring my insulin, and I bring backups. The rule of two. Yep. And I, but I don't put it in a fridge. Uh, this is relatively cool and collected. But I would definitely be more cautious if I was working outside. You know, if I was doing construction or doing anything like that, you know, I'm definitely putting that in a cooler lunchbox or so, something like that. And yep. You know, let's say you're doing this extreme camping trip. You, you can buy bags where it's super cool inside and it only needs a little bit of water. You know, there are special... Uh, boxes out there in and um, coolers that fit those descriptions for really long term um, hiking and and duration so those are out there and so that might be something as a diabetic you might want to get even if you're not spending a long time out there let's say you just want to be super safe you're doing the Grady way of like doubling tripling all your supplies you want to make sure there's zero way that you have enough insulin that's not gonna go bad you're bringing two vials you know this and that and you might just want to have that capability to keep it cool even if it's only for like two days you know mm-hmm. and you and it's gonna be relatively shade you know as a diabetic you know with your dye bags and you know uh dye of fanny packs and uh, um have you ever worn a fanny pack for your diabetes supplies i don't think so no yeah uh, I think fanny packs are in now. I'm not too sure. I feel like somebody told me that. But I think the one of the very first dates I ever went on, like junior high, uh, my dad bought me this black leather <laughs> fanny pack. I was like, oh, it's super cool. Like, you can put all your diabetes things in there. And, you know, this was in the 2000s or whatever. And that was just, like, not cool whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I'm an awkward person as it is. So uh, <laughs> the black fanny pack, the diet fanny pack for me wasn't that but anyways it's a random tangent back to camping uh so whatever whatever bags you need whatever items you need to achieve the level of certainty and comfortability to do these things um you know get and use like there's nothing wrong with that and uh Being diabetic is saying, I can do these things. There might be extra steps, but those extra steps make me stronger. And I'm actually thinking through things more. And all these things will actually make you a better human being uh, because you're diabetic, thinking through these and overcoming these challenges too. And you should never not camp because you're afraid what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just, as you were, before you even said that a little bit there, I was thinking like, like being a diabetic and having to plan for all these things has definitely made me like, try and prepare better, you know, not only with diabetes related stuff, but also just like trying to prepare for as much as possible. So like, you know, as a diabetic, you you're just used to carrying or traveling with a bunch of extra crap. And Mm -hmm. so like, you just start thinking about, all right, what if this happens? So I'm going to bring this and this and this and this and this. And so um, it's made me a better planner, preparer. Um, so that way, I don't get into a situation where I'm like, Oh, crap, I wish I would I wish I would have brought this, um, you know, it becomes fewer and fewer times that that happens. Because, you know, I'm just used to always thinking forward to what's going to be happening. Um, because I'm used to doing that with my diabetes. And so, I, I, you know, along those same lines, as I'm thinking through with my diabetes, what's going to be happening, that's oftentimes triggers other things like, Oh, I should bring that as well, because that might
1: mm-hmm. happen, too yeah yeah i totally agree and then everyone has their mess ups or whatever you know yeah uh, you'll still not plan appropriately you've told stories where you've had a fast because of insulin not bringing enough or forgetting your diabetes bag and so i yep. and i think that's going to happen to everyone and you know again kind of just need to accept that some of those things happen and live learn adapt there's so many resources if you find yourself in a situation there are so many resources on what to do in those situations you know whether it be medical lab companies that you don't need prescriptions for or um, emergency clinics that have resources for you or maybe your endocrinologist has a hotline and they can give you advice or your pharmacy pharmacies are probably probably the best thing to call and let's say you're not camping let's just say you run out if you don't plan properly A pharmacy, a local pharmacy will probably be able to direct you on local uh, advantages to getting supplies for cheaper or figuring out how to get them if you can't, you know, don't have those with you, Mm -hmm. Uh, at least here in the United States, you know, because we know that there are non-US people listening to this podcast. So, Um, but anyways, let's say you're camping though, Grady. Uh, and you're about to go to a swim. Let's be a little more technical, right? So you're about to go to swim. It's like middle of the day or kind of like about to be middle of the day. And, uh, your blood sugar is kind of high. You didn't, um, you didn't plan for evening food. You didn't sleep well, you know, so it's kind of a little bit higher, uh, kind of fluctuates, but not like extreme yo-yo and you're about, everyone's about to go swimming. So if you're wearing a pump, you're not most you know, you're not probably going to be wearing a pump in the water, right? So, uh, how would you approach that type of scenario while you're camping, while you already have been camping and doing those types of things?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so swimming is the perfect thing in that scenario because I know for me, I know for a lot of people, swimming. I mean, just overall, you're using a lot of muscles and you burn a lot of glucose, a lot of energy uh, when you swim. And so, swimming. Almost always just tanks my blood sugar, so that's the okay. perfect scenario for swimming for me. And I'll be the one advocating, "Hey, let's go swimming," because I need to bring my blood sugar down. <laughs> sure. Um, and so at that point, you know, depending on how high it is, and if I think it's climbing or not, I may take maybe a little bit of insulin. Um, but for the most, like if it's just kind of a little bit high and not too too bad, um, like let's say let's say it's like 200. Um, which is like pretty decently high. Um, I would probably not even really take any extra insulin. I would just go and swim. Um, And then I would probably keep obviously my pump and some juice boxes close by. And then, you know, as we're swimming and whatnot, you know, I might take a break after, you know, 30 minutes to an hour after that and go – try and check my blood sugar or, you know, at that time, sometimes, you know, even at that 200 mark, it'll crash even before then. So I'll have to go and drink a juice box. But then at the same time, I, if I'm drinking a juice box at that time, and I've also been without my pump for that 30 minutes to an hour already, I may actually take some insulin with that juice box because I know that I've been without that insulin. And so the effect of having no insulin is about to catch up with me. So even though I'm dropping low, if I keep it off by the time I get out the second time, I'm going to be spiking super high. Um, so, you know, with, the, so you kind of have to play that balancing act. Um, yeah. sometimes you're going to get those wrong and you're going to crash even harder, but, hmm. um, but yeah, I will, you know, at that, especially if I know we're going to be out there even longer, um, then I'm going to take a little bit of insulin to help, get a little bit of insulin in my system so that way i don't go without insulin for too long
1: yeah no that's a a perfect perfect example of maybe the a technicality that can happen to a type one while camping you know not very often are you in situations where you're predicting a drop low so you're trying to get ahead of it and have juice and simultaneously you might give yourself insulin at the same time Mm -hmm. you know That uh, I would say to most people probably would seem pretty crazy. Like, what? How does that work again? Um, So again, it's you've been without uh, insulin for 30 minutes or an hour. And that's now probably fully in your blood. That's fully interacting with your cells. Your cells have, your muscle cells have less insulin binding to the receptors, right? And so that state is, Going to be much harder when you come back out, so that's the thought of using insulin. Mm -hmm. Correct. Now you need to do time it right and do the balancing act right because fast acting insulin is fast. (laughs) You know, it might it's not going to be within minutes, but it could. You know, you might be able to see an effect within you know seven minutes, five minutes, you know, seven minutes. You might be able to see some kind of effect. At the very least, fifteen minutes, you'll see some kind of change, right? And uh, but you're because of the activity, you're using the glucose there that's already available, eating it up. Your blood sugar is about to go down that's, and you feel that. That's why you want the juice box. Um, and so it's a very, very fine balancing act. But that's one example of something that can happen while camping. And then you're using your supplies. You only, instead of the 24 juices that you brought, Grady, you only brought five because you weren't thinking about it. You just grabbed a few, and then you didn't bring a whole lot of insulin. You know, that's something that you need to maybe think, oh, okay, well, maybe I do need a little more juices. Maybe, you know, this can or can't happen. So that's a fantastic example.
0: Yeah, so it might be kind of scary to take insulin and at the same time that you feel low or, you know, maybe you're going to, going to be dropping um, and you're trying to preemptively um, drink drink a juice box or take some sort of glucose it can be scary you know taking insulin during that time Um, but you have to think about you know what's going to be happening in the future and is that insulin going to be or that lack of insulin going to catch up with you um, later on because it it ends up catching up with you trust me i've i've done it several times and i'm like gosh you know, it was so perfect, um, during the whole time. And then later on, um, you know, now I'm high all the time. And so, you know, so even if my blood sugar is perfect throughout that whole, you know, activity of swimming or whatever it is, and I get out and my blood sugar is perfect when I check it, I'm still going to take insulin for that amount of time that I was in the water without my, without my pump. So if I was in the, the water for, um let's say an hour, then I will take my basal rate for that hour. So if I if I my basal rate is one unit per hour, then I'm gonna take one unit to cover that hour that I was without my without my pump. Um, and that usually helps me mitigate that um spike that eventually happens from
1: not having insulin for that long. Do you do that sometimes prior to the swim?
0: Yeah, if I if I'm, Seems more dangerous. If I'm going up, or let's say I am like, let's say I'm higher than 200 or like pretty high, then I'll definitely take some insulin beforehand, obviously, to bring it down, uh, but then to like somewhat keep it down. Um, as far as like, if I'm, my blood sugar is doing pretty good, mm-hmm. and I go for a swim, um, then. I probably won't take any insulin because I know swimming just really tanks mine pretty quickly. So yeah. I know it's just going to tank it really hard. Um, now, if I'm doing an activity where I have to take my pump off that I'm not going to actually be very active in. So like, say we're in the water, but it's something that doesn't require any physical activity. Really. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I do it's know, floating. I do know that that's happened to me. Yeah. You're just floating out there. Let's say, um, then, Lazy river. Yeah, exactly. Then I will maybe take a little bit of insulin, like, you know, let's say my blood sugar is like 120. So it's just like, it's not perfect, but you know, it's pretty darn good. And people would say
1: that's good to go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, I have a little bit of wiggle room before that low end. So let's say I usually feel low, let's say at 80 or 70. So I have some wiggle room there. So I will take a little bit of insulin um, at that time when I get in, so that way I, um, you know, I bring it down as low as I can without making myself go low. Um, and then, you know, I'll continually just kind of monitor it, and throughout that process, or throughout that activity, as best I can, or as frequent as I can, without you know having it take over my life, so to speak and just monitor where it's at and you know periodically i'll just you know take a break come out put some insulin in and then mm-hmm. go right back in um and, and you know it's not really a big deal like you know like you said like if you're floating or just kind of hanging out in the pool or whatever um, it's not a big deal just to kind of step out for what it takes like two minutes just to give yourself just a couple of units and then
1: mm-hmm. go right back in yeah i think the uh, The latter of that recent bit is the better strategy of taking breaks, checking, then giving insulin when you need it or acting as you're doing it. I think if you're about to do a physical activity, let's say swimming, you know, what we've been talking about, while you're already camping, trying to give insulin preemptively when you're about to do a physical activity, you're going to probably just crash and then you're going to eat and then now you're going to be high. You know, that's that's a good way to get yo-yo real fast. Yeah. Um, now, depending on how you do on the back end, it's also a really easy way to do yo-yo. But uh, if you were checking periodically, and then maybe you're even, let's say, I think I've done this strategy where I'll, where I'll check periodically. I see I'm kind of high, but I won't give a full bolus. Let's say, you know, I'm 160 and I think I'm trending up. Might not give myself a full correction factor. Might yeah. do half of it cause I know I'm still moving and then I might check it in like 20 minutes and see where I'm, where I'm at, what I'm doing. Um, so the more you check, like we always say, you know, the more data, you know, I think that's a better strategy than just preemptively saying, I'm not going to be on my pump for two hours. Uh, let me do two units because in at a one unit per hour ratio, that's two units, you know? Yeah. It's going to hit you way that, too quick. Right. Exactly. Unless you have multiple forms of insulin, you know, you have a medium acting, which would be, you know, I think it's, a, that would be an interesting strategy. That might be a little different. You know, I think mm-hmm. if I were to do uh, triathlons and eventually when I train for some like crazy half Ironmans or Ironmans, <laughs> I, that's what I would want to do because I wouldn't be having a pump on during that swim, but I might, I'm probably going to need insulin. So using medium chain, but not medium chain, what am I talking about? Oil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Medium acting uh, insulin might be a good strategy, but most people don't have that. It's either MDI, fast acting, long acting, or just short acting in an insulin pump. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. What about, uh? you got any other kind of like scenarios or reflections on some of the camping trips that you've been on? Um. I don't know. I, I think going
0: back to uh, like, you're on vacation, you're hanging out with people that typically you want to hang out with. So, you know, you're going to be sleep deprived for the most part on um, mm-hmm. many of the occasions. So um, you kind of have to take that into account as best you can. Um, because with sleep deprivation, at least for me, and I know probably for the most people, you're probably going to run a little bit higher because your body's in more of a stress state um and so you have to think about that a little bit as well and so i mean it's just a very complex situation that you have when you're camping because you're typically probably going to be more active than you normally are but at the same time you got sleep deprivation which then goes the other way and then you got maybe crappy food and other and then yeah other things so it's just like you kind of it's just this complex puzzle that you have to put together to say, all right, what is that going to do to my, all these things are going to be happening to me right now. All right, so how does that equation equal out? Is that going to push me up? Or does that total equation then bring me back down? Mm-hmm. So um, there's just a lot to think about. And 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 like you said, with hydration, if you're not hydrating, then that plays a role in it, into it. Um, so, you know, just trying to bring up as much of those things that affect your blood sugar as we can. So that way you have things to think about to be like, okay, I did this, this, and this right, but my blood sugar still isn't quite right. What am I missing here? And then you, hopefully you can figure that out. So that way either the next day or the next time you go camping, you can be like, all right, if this is going to be happening, I have to account for it in this manner.
1: And one thing that, you know, I've briefly mentioned, but I think almost takes a supersedes it like a, what's it, Prindle, like order of operations uh, of trying to figure out this equation would be then if you're drinking at all mm-hmm. during this, um, which I don't think we, we really won't have the time to talk about here. And I'm surprised we actually haven't done in a whole alcohol episode because, um, I mean, that's a very real topic that a lot of diabetics uh, go through you know, and some do what kind of you do, and some do kind of a hybrid, some don't care, there's definitely a time when I didn't care, but when you're camping, I almost feel like from my experience, managing alcohol supersedes all these other factors, and I think the less you were, would be to drink, the easier it would be to do something camping, especially if you don't do it very often, Hmm. Um, and if you're just not, if you feel like you can't manage alcohol and insulin very well in those situations, even if it's casually, you know, one or two beers, you feel like it affects you. You don't know what to do. Uh, you know, might be definitely something to stay away from during those times, especially, you know, and this is to the 21 and older crowd. So if you're a kid, obviously shouldn't be drinking and camping. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like maybe, maybe we'll do that around new year's or something like that. Um, (laughs) like an alcohol episode, But uh, then I'll share some silly stories uh, because it's real. But I think from my experience and and knowing about the biochemistry and, and things like that, alcohol always supersedes so much other parts of your metabolism that managing that while camping in a situation where you might not have a lot of resources, making not smart decisions, that will be superseding all these other factors. Am I hydrated enough? When am I swimming? When am I doing all these things? You can plan all you want, but one second second you put alcohol in that situation it becomes a how do I then manage this alcohol in my body? What do I need to do situation? Mm-hmm. So uh I will throw that in there as we're wrapping up the whole um the whole camping conversation because I think most people do end up drinking, uh, you know, when they camp once they're older. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so wanna throw that out there too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: he, obviously, you know my position on that. But like you said, like, as I... as yeah, I, for,
1: for those who don't know and maybe are <laughs> listening for the first time, or uh, you know, Grady is a very big... He doesn't drink. And so yeah. it's always easier to operate when you're not drinking. So yep. that's kind of his point right there. But go on.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, just the, as you're talking through that, I mean, it just... It like that whole situation is just very, you know, scary to me. Like Mm -hmm. going into a situation, especially if you like, don't do, like if you don't drink very much anyways, and then you uh, go and do that um, with friends and whatnot, like in that camping situation, I feel like is almost more of a dangerous situation than if you were to go out with your friends, because I mean, one, you're just kind of out there by yourselves for the most part. Um, but you really have to be reliant on your friends to make sure that they know what to do if something bad were to happen or to make sure that they wake up and check on you to make sure that you're still coherent or even alive. Um, because obviously that when you go to sleep at night, is usually when the bad things happen um, with alcohol and diabetes. Yep. So um, if you are going to do something like that, you really have to make sure to edu- educate the people that you're going to be with to make sure that they know what to do and to make sure that they're going to check on you. Like it's not, I mean, it, you may think of it as a inconvenience, but I mean, living life is more important than
1: inconvenient people. So yeah, your, your life is, is not inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think all of your friends that you, you would be doing stuff would agree. Um, so bring lots of supplies two, three times, uh, bring something to cool your insulin try not to drink yeah i just don't or just if I'm do, we're doing the absolutes don't drink yeah there you go <laughs> those are the easy minimal ways to, to go about it but obviously, we just had all these conversations because sometimes life you don't do those things yeah so uh, we're gonna be publishing this episode about camping with the week of thanksgiving so i feel like we have to talk about thanksgiving a little bit yeah yeah. Uh, we don't have to get into too much of it, but, uh, but, you know, handling all those things. And as a diabetic, what do you do on Thanksgiving? Um, cause you know, we're over an hour into this episode. So I feel like we can just start talking. We could probably talk another hour about Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> but tryptophan doesn't make you sleepy. Okay. Yep. Um, that's it. That's all we need to talk about Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so what, what are your thoughts with type 1 diabetes and going into Thanksgivings. Obviously, this year, 2020, uh, for a lot of people, Thanksgiving is going to be way different. You know, mm-hmm. Some people, uh, I'm, and we're not advocating one way or another, um, some people are having large gatherings, very traditional. Uh, some people aren't. Some people are by themselves. Some people are having two people over you know but that regardless thanksgiving is a time where you normally eat a lot of turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and you know all those traditional things here in the united states um you know so how do you um go about thanksgiving as a type one yeah
0: so i want to speak to all my people out there that are that stick to a good diet and (laughs) they're really good about managing everything don't let your family guilt you into eating something that you don't want to eat because it's going to mess with your blood sugar because Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, it's just a disaster when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so stay strong and, and, and keep pumping through, um, you know, stick to your guns. Yep. (laughs) Um, stick to your guns and, and just, you know, help them understand that the fact that you're not eating something isn't a reflection on their cooking. It's the fact that you have to control what you eat to help manage your blood sugars and help make you feel the best you can. Um, And so, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. I know not everybody is of that mindset, but um, I know when I started eating a lot healthier and then going back home to certain events, whether that was Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatnot, I mean, your family can't help but press you into trying to eat things that you shouldn't necessarily be eating or that could impact your blood sugar negatively. Um, and so, you know, it took me a couple a couple of those occasions to be, one, to be okay with myself, to say, no, I'm not going to eat that, but I will eat this. Um, and at the same time, train my family and my friends to be okay with me saying that and letting me do that um, and not pestering me about, I mean, they still kind of rib me every now and then. Um, but they just do it kiddingly. They don't be like, Hey, why don't you have some of this or whatnot? Um, or you're like your grandma looks at you with like defeated eyes when you say no to her, <laughs> to her cake or something. Um,
1: <laughs> but it's carrot cake, Grady.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's got carrots in it. It's pumpkin. <laughs> Um but um on the other hand of things so like I mean how I handle Thanksgiving is just like trying to make it you know as normal as possible to my regular life but obviously you know celebrating um to as much of a degree as I can so like obviously I love to eat so I eat a lot it's just I make sure that it's still food that's I'm good at managing and that I know my body is going to react positively positively too um, it's just going to be maybe a little bit more than I need so it's still going to affect my blood sugar a little bit more than maybe a normal day um, so I'll have to account for maybe excess protein or excess fat or maybe a little bit more carbs than I'm used to but it's still the same carbs that I would normally have um, so yeah I still
1: example of like that statement
0: so like obviously with turkey i eat our turkey is usually the protein that we have on thanksgiving so like i'll have a ton of turkey because that's like one of the few things that all that i can have that's on the table usually on a thanksgiving um, dinner Mm -hmm. so you know i load up on turkey and um, eat a ton of turkey so that's going to affect my blood sugar maybe more or differently than a normal meal because normally i balance a little bit more so I'll have to take different ratios. So, like, since it's not maybe a a carb heavy meal, then I'll have to calculate it for my insulin for the protein that I'm going to be eating and also the timing of that. Because sometimes, if you have, at least for me, if I have more fat, then I have to wait a little bit before I take um, the rest of my insulin. Um, So, I have to think about that. Um, If I do end up having something that has a little bit more carbs in it, and I'm not necessarily used to having carbs in it, but it's still something that's good for me, then um, then I'll have to figure that out a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it's the protein aspect that sometimes changes things because gorging on protein and fat um, affects my body differently than, say, like if I just gorge off of carbs. For the most part, I can just take the same amount of insulin as far as like, how many carbs I eat, I can just keep bumping it up. And it's going to affect my blood sugar the same. Um, But if I eat a lot of protein with that, or a lot of fat with that, then I have to start playing around with it a little bit more. So like, I talked about eating high protein, and then eating maybe higher carb than I'm used to. But if I do both at the same time where I'm eating higher protein, higher fats, and higher carbs. We talk about that's like the worst combination. Um, right. That's that's where it gets really interesting, for me at least, is, all right, I had a bunch of fast-acting carbs or faster-acting carbs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And But then I also had a ton of protein and a ton of fat, which then slows down some of the absorption. And so, you know, at that point, since it's not a regular thing for me, I don't do that all the time, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have it nailed down to you know, a great process for that. So I, I do my best educated guess on how that, you know, typically goes for me, maybe on a smaller scale and, you know, take maybe a good chunk of that insulin right away to mitigate the faster acting carbs, but then realize that I'm going to have to take more insulin later on when that protein and fat starts getting digested and, and processed again. Um, so I'm going to be checking my blood sugar a lot more on Thanksgiving or on those holiday days where I gorge myself because I know that just because it's perfect now after a meal and I'm like, Oh yeah, I may, I get enough insulin for it. Yeah. Yeah, It's not necessarily the full story. It's going to get you later on. So, um, I, I am definitely checking my blood sugar a heck of a lot more, um, those days just to make sure I stay on top of things.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, I think we'll refer to older episodes. I'm trying to look at in particular, what exact episode number, the one where we specifically talk about digestion, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's
1: see. What gastric emptying. Gastric emptying time. Uh, what was that? That was probably 14, 15. Uh, I'm looking at mm-hmm, 19 episode 19. How is digestion related to blood sugar? You know, I think that's a good review episode and, and a couple other episodes. Yeah. Cause I think for you, well, you're not very experienced, you don't have a magic pizza formula like I have, <laughs> you know, because I've experimented with pizza enough. But, um, yeah, if you're not familiar with some of those foods, it's gonna be uh, it's guess, and taking it slow and uh, taking it step by step is gonna be really, really important. I'm trying to think, uh, I've been as you we were talking, I was trying to listen, but at the same time, brainstorm. It's like, what does Grady eat that's a splurge on Thanksgiving? <laughs> and i was like i bet it's sweets i bet it's more like you'll have your turkey you'll have your vegetables but i bet if you're gonna splurge and like enjoy the day i bet it's like gluten-free sweets because that's part of your diet gluten-free stuff like i is, is that true or, or or like would you have gluten-free stuffing i don't even i can't even imagine you eating
0: i'm not a stuffing even when i eat like crap i i wasn't mm. a stuffing guy but like yeah if my mom finds some recipe that's like every, all the ingredients are um, Grady approved what she says, um, <laughs> then, um, I'll, I'll have a little bit of that. Um, but, but usually for the most part, they don't make me sweets cause they know I probably won't eat them. Um, but so, like, uh, something that's higher carb that I may splurge on that I wouldn't necessarily have would be like, maybe like a sweet potato or squash or something like that. Like, like, uh, I think last year my mom had me make like a bunch of butternut squash and so I put like um, uh, cinnamon and stevia and stuff in it and made it like really sweet and it was actually really good even people who don't eat healthy they're like hey this is actually pretty good um, and so I splurged on that a little bit
1: um, but yeah yeah not nothing <laughs> too exciting. <laughs> I imagine everyone is so happy Thanksgiving. You know, years pass, and you just sit down and you have a steak and salad. That's just like twenty ounces of steak or something like that's that. That's so funny
0: that you say that because this year we're gonna have instead of turkey, we're having steak, and I'm okay. assuming that means we're gonna have steak and ve- steak and vegetables. Um, because usually when my parents make me steak, they just cook up a ton of uh, vegetables on the grill too. Um, so yeah, th- that's this year's Thanksgiving. That's
1: pretty funny. (laughs) But uh, to kind of reiterate a couple of things that you said, you know, uh, whatever your diet is, whatever you normally eat, don't let friends, family, or even just the environment of Thanksgiving day dictate that you should eat something that you typically don't, you know, Mm -hmm. that being said, being human, if you are, take it slow, you know, use some strategies you've kind of learned about um, and just, you know, go at it. Cause there's a balance of, um, you know, we, I don't think we've talked about this. You and I have talked about, but I don't think we've recorded about the psychological you know, what happens psychologically when you are so restrictive, you know, mm. and, and how that, that affects your digestion, how that affects everything with food and blood sugar and things like that. Um, so if you are making those things, uh, yeah, just, just take it slow and you can still enjoy the day, but, uh, yeah, do what is going to be best for your health long-term because it's just one day. And you can still enjoy the day uh, without eating an entire cherry pie. Uh, unless that's what you want to do. You live your life, live a life that you deserve, but you also <laughs> deserve to live long and healthy. Yeah.
0: So. Also understand if you eat a bunch of crap that you deserve to be having blood sugars all over the place. Cause that's
1: what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Reference back to our personal responsibility episode. Yeah. Um, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will. And nod to you sir so okay but uh so yeah with that being said you know uh i'm glad that we only talked about one well we kind of talked about hiking too uh originally when we were planning on this we thought we were going to take about five six events you know different sports and other things and i think uh, uh this camping in general has a lot of variability and so i think this was a lot of good information so if you stuck around this long got to listen to that extra holiday special thanksgiving episode uh, but if you did stick around this long we appreciate you listening and appreciate you sharing the podcast and participating with us on whether it be through emails or social media or whatever have you so uh it feels good to be almost a full year into this project uh with Grady and without all you guys and still um grow up continue to grow and just have uh chances that a year ago uh Grady and i never have so thank you uh and we appreciate you continuing to uh, live the life that you deserve and continue to share that message yep
0: yep yeah it's that year has gone by super quick um, and like Garrett said we're glad to have you guys and keep sharing it with other people um, whoever needs it and we're also hopefully gonna be coming out with more content but then also different stuff so like our websites about ready to be finished um, so we'll have that together um, with blog posts and maybe even a store um, later on, so um, so keep waiting for that stuff. Keep sticking around, and um, thanks for thanks for listening, guys.
1: We'll catch you on another episode of the Die Buddies podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you found value in today's conversation, we would appreciate it if you gave a five star review. It really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the Die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the at gmail.com thanks